much politics that goes into. And I think the biggest thing is we, we hear that everything is fortified. Mm-hmm. You know, fortified with what? You know, like it's stripped and then it's added back in with. And so everybody thinks, oh, yeah, I'm getting all my vitamins and all my nutrients because it's fortified. So you go for the fortified foods. And but there's really no nutrition in there. You don't really get the macro. You know, you're getting the snippets of vitamins and, you know, and you don't know if it's the right amount. So I think that's a big part of the food politics is the, the food that your soul gets fortified, but it's not really food. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Eat Real to Heal podcast. I am your host, Nicolette Richet. And on today's show, we have Moriam Okereke. She is a clinically trained doctor of pharmacy, pharmacist, and she's here today to share with you her amazing story of healing herself through food. Now, as you know, with many of the physicians that we have on the show, we often like to go back into their history to learn why did they want to become a doctor? What happened while they were a medical doctor? And how did they jump and make the switch from being a trained physician who was only given about one to four hours of medical training, as you'll hear from Moriam in this show, and how they went to learn that food is medicine how they discovered that the research was out there when it was never presented to them during med school, and then how they had the courage to switch careers. And that's exactly what Dr. Moriam did. Dr. Moriam Okereke is now an integrative nutrition health coach, mindfulness practitioner, nutrition truth seeker, and all around wellness aficionado. Isn't that what all medical doctors really need to be? Going back to when Hippocrates first declared through the Hippocratic Oath that every single doctor graduates with, and they have to read it, put their hand on the book and literally read the oath. And it says, first do no harm. It also said, if you can use food first before medications or surgery, just to sum it up, do that first. So where did our medical system go so wrong? But on this show today with Dr. Okareke, you are going to learn how she dove deep into the research and made the switch and how she's helping hundreds and hundreds of people heal through natural means, through their body, through their brain, through food and their environment. And she helps people with weight loss, digestive issues, hormone imbalances, stress management, and she helps individuals regain control of their health instead of just handing it over blindly to physicians who we often put on pedestals. Now, you know me, I love physicians. When you don't know about food as medicine, you don't know of any alternative ways to heal, for sure, we need the medications, we need the surgery. But we can learn these things and we can learn how to also do it without the medications and surgeries, especially when it comes, primarily when it comes to chronic degenerative illnesses. Now, one of the things that you may or may not know is that in the in North America alone, we spend about $3.6 trillion. That's 90% of the $4 trillion budget that we spend on healthcare. And we spend 90% of that budget, $3.6 trillion. Let that sink, sink in. 
We spend that amount of money every single year managing fully preventable and reversible chronic diseases. Now, if you are somebody who's living in poverty, if you are somebody who wants an education and you live in the United States or Canada, where it costs now like $60,000 to $120,000 to $200,000 to go to school and get a four-year degree, that really at the end doesn't leave you making very much money. You know, wouldn't you rather have $3.6 trillion go into our education system or our workforce? Or what if you're in a community that doesn't even have proper roads and, um, and amenities and even like a swimming pool so that there's a community center and basketball courts and tennis courts, like we could be putting that money to so many other things. As well, you might be listening to this podcast and know that you have a son or a daughter, a mother, brother, sister, friend, a relative, or a neighbor that is suffering from a rare chronic genetic disease. And right now, we could be putting $3.6 trillion a year into rare disease research and technology. Wouldn't that be awesome? But no, we are spending $3.6 trillion a year managing preventable and fully reversible chronic diseases. 97% of all chronic diseases are reversible. That includes cancers that are reversible as well. So we have to work together to share the information that Dr. Okoreke shares on this podcast, learn how she was able to get her health issues under control and how she's doing that for other people. So as a doctor of pharmacy, Miriam is also trained at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and she really works to help people engage with their outer and inner work that's necessary to make real transformation happen. And you know that I do that work as well. So between Miriam and myself and hundreds of other people that are really boots on the ground working to help people learn about food as medicine, learn about integrative health, then you know what? We need more people like you doing it. And that brings me to share with you our newest program. So it's not our newest program. We've just opened the doors to it again. So we've already graduated three dozen students through this program. We have another cohort currently in halfway through the program, but it's our nutrition and detox coaching program. And that is where we take you, someone who wants to help other people heal, heal, you can have a science background or no science background. You can be a doctor, a naturopath, a yoga instructor, a nutritionist, a dietitian, and I promise you, you are going to learn so much information that's going to blow your mind. Because in the first half of the program, in the first three months, we teach you all the art and science of using food as medicine, detoxification as medicine to reverse advanced chronic diseases. So you can be out there boots on the ground helping other people learn this information. Now, the second half of the program is just as important because this is where in the next three months, we take you through how to launch your own business. And, and this is in an area that you are passionate about. So it could be kids' health, prenatal health, postnatal health. It could be working with seniors with dementia. It could be working with individuals that have Crohn's disease. It could be working with people that suffer from diabetes, infertility, whatnot. It is up to you to, I will help you, but in the program, you're going to discover your niche area, and then you're going to either build a business from scratch in three months, or you're going to launch or scale your existing business. Now, I have grown many, many businesses, and I'm going to teach you everything that you need to know to successfully do that. 
I've had restaurants up and running in as little as seven weeks to three months. Um, and now we're nine years into having the Green Mustache Cafe, Organic Cafe, um, cafes. And so I'm going to teach you everything you need to know, whether you want to have a consulting business, bricks and mortar business, we're going to discover that together. So head on over to the link below and join our masterclass that, uh, and go to our website and sign up for our masterclass. So you can learn everything you need to know about our nutrition and detox coaching certification right here, right now with richer health in the green mustache. So without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Moriam Okareke to the show. See you at the end, folks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Eat Real to Heal podcast. I'm your host, Nicolette Richet, and on today's show, I have the wonderful Moriam Okereke. Welcome, Moriam. Thank you, Nicole. Great to be here. Yeah, really lovely to have you here as well. Um, I, we, you and I go back a long ways now because we've, I've been a summit uh, guest uh, speaker on your summit show, um, your Live Beyond Wellness, which is a fantastic website and an amazing product and service that you offer to your clients um, and, and the people that you coach as well into the community, bringing people together to share information about gut health, about inflammation, about chronic uh, inflammatory conditions. Um, so I just really appreciate the work that you do in the world. Thank you. Thank you. I love doing that. So let's dive in because um, you are a pharmacist by trade, correct? That's what you yes. studied. Yeah. Yes. And I love your story. I've heard it many times before, but I wanted to share it with the audience because what most people don't know is that when people train to become a doctor, whether um, you're training to become a pharmacist or a surgeon, or you're training to become a general practitioner, you don't receive like the studies, the, the published studies show that most doctors only receive about one to four hours of nutrition training in school. And was that true for you or was that different for you? absolutely true i don't even i don't think i received any training on nutrition that i recall i'm racking my brain for a course on nutrition it was all biochemistry science drugs you know mixing drug interactions probably the closest drug drug food interactions was the closest i remember on nutrition yeah and that part i find is so interesting because i hear so many doctors tell their clients, they say, or their patients, and they say, oh, you know what, that illness doesn't have anything to do with your disease or, uh, or your diet, I mean. Um, so like, it's not related whatsoever. But then exactly what you said, they'll often point out, well, the food is powerful enough to have an interaction with the drug that you're taking. And but meanwhile, the food is not powerful enough to have an effect on your body and your disease in any way, which I just think, is completely wild that that yeah. is happening and so as a pharmacist so you're trained you're not really trained in nutrition how did you end up moving into the um the health space and the coaching space and, and you went on and studied to be an integrative nutritionist um how how did you make that leap so when i started out as a pharmacist i became a clinical pharmacist so when I did finish my doctor of pharmacy, I did a residency for one year, which I keep forgetting to add in my bio. But so after that one year, then I worked in a hospital as a clinical pharmacist. 
And then I transitioned to work as a clinical nutrition pharmacist in the hospital, but it was really nutrition for very, very sick, sick people where they got not necessarily like what, what I know now, but more like their gut was not functioning, so they had to get intravenous feeding, or they had cancer and they or some intestinal problems, and they had surgery and they had to remove their gut, their intestines, and so small, so they needed like a, a tube feeding. So my role there was really to ensure that they got all their electrolytes and nutrients correct, mixed in with the intravenous nutrition or with the feeding tube of food that they got. So I did that for like four or five years. And that really got me really interested in nutrition because I worked with dietitians at that point. I worked with nurses and I was the only pharmacist on that team and I worked with surgeons. So it was very interesting time. And that and it that is interesting in itself in the sense that when you are you know you're working on like what the solution is for the ID that's going into the patient. I mean, all of this is based on nutrients, right? At the end of the day, it's all about nutrition. At the end of the day, like if you go into the hospital and you're having a heart attack, sure you get the drug, but often you're getting things like magnesium and potassium and iodine and all of these different nutrients. But meanwhile, they're not really teaching about nutrition in school from a food perspective, though we know things like, I know you studied the Krebs cycle, like that was a big test, right? That you had to study for in biochemistry and you had to learn about the Krebs cycle. And the one most important part about the Krebs cycle is that A, it takes a molecule of glucose, which is a nutrient. And it also takes things like every other vitamin and you know amino acid, and it's taking in things like um, pectin, um, and malic acid, and, and so on. And these are all nutrients that are found in food. But meanwhile, there's that disconnect between foods providing nutrients, which I just think is, it's, it's just blows my mind. It's fascinating. You're so right. We did the Krebs cycle, but and I love the Krebs cycle. That was my favorite. You know, learning about ATP and all the different enzymes, and you know how they all work to get your body to get the might energy and all that. You know, but we didn't really study it as food in connection with food. It wasn't put together like that. And um, do you see anything ever changing in in the future of our medical schools where more nutrition is going to be brought in? Or are what are you seeing in that field? Are you even looking at that anymore now that you're in the world of nutrition? I am hearing that there is more programs, but it's still not enough. They're doing a little bit of talking about nutrition and food in medical schools, but not as much, like like really just snippets, like, you know, after out of four years of medical training, those that MDs, like they probably do like, you know, maybe like a few hours. Yeah, it's still, it's still definitely not enough. Not enough. Exactly. Um, and so tell me about what nutrition school was like for you, having gone through and taking extensive biochemistry and chemistry and biology classes. So you had all your medical school sciences down. Um, you had studied all the drug interactions and how medicines are used, um, you know, like a lot of it's about diagnosing and prescribing. So what was that like for you to go study at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition as a medical doctor? Well, it was very different. It was totally different. It, I really, what we focused on, and I think what I learned is just the different um, dietary theories, like how there's so many different ways 
of eating and food and what, what what nourishes your body. I think what I learned then was the common theme that you get to really focus on whole foods versus versus I want to say whole foods versus processed refined food because we basically studied over 100 dietary theories then in, in, in Institute of Integrative Nutrition but the focus was on with everything that we studied like they kept it neutral like we're not saying this is good or this is bad but what we're saying is processed refined food doesn't serve you you know sugar doesn't serve you uh, most often dairy doesn't serve you, you know, things like that. So that's what I learned. And I also learned about the, the food politics. It's a big one. Yeah, the food politics is a massive piece that um, can you just explain a little bit more about the food politics for people? Because I think a lot of uh, a lot of folks that are listening to this show might not understand the whole political realm that surrounds every single food choice that you're making every day. Right, and we had different different um, faculty members talk about really talk about like the meat industry, you know, like who the lobbying that goes into that, and and how, you know, what is served in schools versus what really benefits the children. It's not so so much about the nourishment versus how to make this a business. That's what I that's what I like. It's really more about the business and the politics about that. The dairy industry was there, you know, like pushing for that. There's a lot of lobbying and just so much going on, but not really looking at what really serves the individual, what nourishes your body, what is good for you. And so it was more about how do we get this out to the masses so that they buy it and they purchase it and they eat it and make it sound good and nourishing for you. I mean, I, I, I see all the, I learned see all the information about dairy, information about meat and sugared foods, our cereal. I mean, there's just so much politics that goes into. And I think the biggest thing is we, we hear that everything is fortified, uh-huh. you know, fortified with what, you know, like it's stripped and then it's added back in with, and so everybody thinks, oh, yeah, I'm getting all my vitamins and all my nutrients because it's fortified. So you go for the fortified foods. and But there's really no nutrition in there. You don't really get the macro. You know, you're getting the snippets of vitamins and, you know, and you don't know if it's the right amount. So I think that's a big part of the food politics is the, the food that you're sold gets fortified, but it's not really food. Yeah. And I mean, they say it right on the box as well. They're often saying, you know, this food is not a significant source of vitamin A, vitamin E, vitamin, you know, like it really Mm -hmm. says it right on there. And that's the other part too, that I find interesting is this disconnect within the medical community between, um, what constitutes supplements and whether you know people should be taking supplements or not because a lot of physicians I hear say oh and you see this all over the media like don't take supplements supplements are bad for you um you know meanwhile we have this multi-billion dollar supplement industry but also the food the manufactured food processes are just simply fortifying all of this refined processed food with supplements so regardless people are taking supplements every single day unknowingly every single time they purchase you know processed foods but it's only like what three or four or five different things versus the 125 different things that we need in the whole form. Right. 
I, I totally agree. And I see that. And even the supplements are like not the right amount, right? Like you say, it's, it doesn't contain a significant amount of vitamin A or vitamin D, uh, you know, but people are not taught to read labels. Once they hear fortified, you see that on the label, that's good enough. You know, rarely do people go and I read the labels and say, oh, wow, 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 this is, this is in here, or, or your first ingredient, sugar. And most people don't even realize that, well, that means it's mostly sugar versus really what you're supposed to be getting. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, yeah, there's such a disconnect between the knowledge that's taught, not just in med school, but schools all over, even like elementary school students, high school students, everything. How hard was that? So would you still, are you still a practicing pharmacist right now? No, but I'm a, I'm licensed, so I could practice. So I keep my license active. Oh, you do? Okay. And yeah. and were you still practicing at the time when you were studying nutrition? I wasn't practicing as a pharmacist, but I was working for pharma, for pharmaceutical company. Okay. <laughs> Something disconnect. <laughs> but but I, worked in, I worked in the research end of it, you know, like in oncology, and mostly with, um, I'm sorry, with... Um, now I worked with um I'll come back to that <laughs> <laughs> I worked in early phase early phase oncology so that's basically where I worked and and we, we looked at really immuno, immunology drugs versus you know like the chemically made drugs so it was it's a little bit different but that's and and I was beginning to hear little things about actually one time at work, I actually found where there was some information talking about um, nutrition and how it connects to cancer. I'm like, whoa, somebody is picking up something. I was very like excited when I saw that. It wasn't really part of what I was doing, but I saw an article on that. And I was very excited to see that, that there's some, some, recognition but how it's connecting I don't know because it's not a big part of it yeah and, and that is such a shame especially because I mean now I'm sure since you've studied nutrition you see and, and is being somebody who you know also values research as well we see that the there, there's so much research out there that shows the importance of nutrition on our, our health. And we see it, but what I see most people looking for when they're studying is they want to see things like, well, are, you know, it's a plant-based whole food diet, you know, does that fight cancer, but you're not going to see a lot of studies on that. But what you'll do, you will see is that we have to break down the research to show that, for example, beta carotene or resveratrol, or, you know, like everything gets broken down to its minute um, molecules, as opposed to like, we need way more studies that are conducted showing, you know, for example, that, you know, a diet rich in whole foods is obviously going to be better than a diet rich in refined processed foods. Um, but that research has been there. I hear other doctors that are in the same position as you, where they went to medical school and then they graduate, they practice, and then they learn about nutrition later. And they're like, what? This research was there all along. And why was it not presented to us in medical school? Right, right. You're and, right, right. And so for yourself then, um, 
uh, now that you are, you're coaching clients right now and you teach the whole summit. So what are some of the, cause you're in the United States. What are some of the things that you are helping your clients with predominantly? Like, is there a common theme that affects your clients? A lot of my clients have, I'm going to be broad and say chronic inflammation. And a lot of times they have, you know, they complain of joints, you know, headaches, fatigue, things like that. And when we, when I support them and I work with them and introduce a different way of eating, they see the difference. They're like, oh my gosh, I actually feel better. But when I go back and eat this food, especially with sugar, I feel it right away. So I really work with my clients. What I do is I, I actually do like a pantry makeover with them. So we can, we get to read the labels when you go, what's, what's in your, what's in your cabinet, what's in your refrigerator, what do you have and read the labels. And they're so surprised to see what they have in their kitchen. Yeah. So that's a big part of what I do. And then I also do like, um, um, cooking classes with my clients. Yeah, that's really important. I know the value of cooking classes so much because of the fact that I got to grow up with a mother who cooked real whole foods all the time. So we always had, you know, real raw ingredients in the house. So I knew how to peel things. I knew how to chop things. I knew how to, but I mean, we get clients that come to our wellness center that have never ever held a potato in their hands or an onion or a leek. And so what is that like for you when you go in and like, how are you teaching these cooking classes? Um, and, and how were they received by some of these, these clients that you're working with? It is interactive. And because of course we're doing Zoom cooking classes. So I send a list and we pick a food that we're going to be making. If it's roasted vegetables, if it's baked potato, if it's, um, let me give um, like an eggplant, some kind of, whole foods, lasagna, something like that. And I get them um, the ingredients and the recipe and teach them what to do and tell them what to prep so that it takes less time. And we cook together on Zoom. We cook, you know, we, we cut up, like you say, chop up all the onions and peppers and, you know, and tomatoes and carrots and mushrooms. And we make it together, you know, tell them the temperature and they make like this big batch. And we also batch cook. And when they get it, they're like, oh my gosh, even my husband that doesn't like thinks he's too healthy. They love it because, you know, they are significant other maybe skeptical, like what is this? And it's like, they loved it. They've been eating that food we made together. So we work together. We bake, they bake on their side, cook on their side. And I cook on my side, the same food. That's amazing. And then pictures. And then we kind of eat together. <laughs> that is really amazing. I love that you're doing that and that you managed to like, do you still continue to do that then obviously through COVID when the world shut down and people were mm -hmm. at home more? Um, yeah, no, that is an incredible service to offer people. And, you know, for anybody who's listening right now, like if you don't know how to chop real vegetables and how to assemble them together, then I mean, definitely you need to sign up for one of Mariam's um, cooking classes. Now there's the other side of cooking though, right? Because a lot of people in restaurants do this all the time. Even nutritionists do this all the time. They'll take the really good ingredients and then they turn them into unhealthy ingredients by adding all of the extra sauces and the sugars and the salts and the oils. So how do you teach your clients about that? Like, how are you teaching them to cook so that the food still remains healthy? Well, we do bake and, you know, I like, I like warm food. So I, I teach them to make a lot of stuff in the oven. So it's not like fried, 
mm-hmm. you know, like frying the food. So we chop it up and we bake or we roast vegetables or we um, roast onions. I mean, yeah, onions. I like the onions sauteed or roasted, mm-hmm. but we don't add sugar. I add single spices. Like if you're adding peppers, you know, like it's, it's, I teach my clients not to get like, you know, like you get like a spice that has like 10 things and you don't know what's in it because it's them. So it's like if you're adding onion powder, okay, it's onion powder. If you're adding black pepper, it's black pepper alone. If you're adding thyme or curry, things like that, you add it single ingredients to the way you like it. And then we make, so it gets very tasty. If you if you if you're making rice, black rice, it's all I cook with my clients. I like black rice and I do quinoa. Because nice. I believe black rice is very nutrient dense. It's not common to find. And I had a client who had never heard of black rice before. And I did quinoa and potatoes, you know, potatoes and baked plantain. So I do a lot of baking with the food versus frying. Amazing. Amazing. Which is the way most people all around the world used to cook because they didn't have access to all of these oils. There was, you know, oils are a new invention in human history. If you think about the spectrum of, you know, human existence and we didn't have oils. It takes a lot of energy to create and extract oils out of, you know, whether it's um, almonds or avocados or canola or corn or whatever it is. And so people didn't have frying that is a new invention um relatively speaking and so baking was the way it was done in so many cultures and I mean you were born in the United Kingdom in London and then you moved to Nigeria so I'm curious with um a lot of the cooking that you do like are you influenced by having been raised in Nigeria from when you were quite young or you know where where's your influence um for cooking where does that come from yeah I would say Nigeria I like spicy food so we put <laughs> we put we put peppers and onions you know peppers onions tomato I like to add all that and then and then the green vegetables like we make we call it soup but here they call it stew where we put all these green vegetables, um, spinach, kale, onions, pepper, mushrooms. I mean, when I was growing up, it used to be meat, but I don't, I'm plant-based. So, you know, and they add all that. And and when they when they have that, they were like, oh, I make it, I call it a stew. It's like red because I do a lot of bell peppers. So what I do is I roast it and I blend it. Mm. And when it's roasted, it, I believe it brings out the flavor and I roast the garlic too. And, and you know, but I do drizzle a little bit of just a little bit of oil just to, to keep it not too too dry, and then they blend it, and then they cook it down, or I just saute it in in a pan, but it becomes very tasty, and they can use that. I said you can use that for salad instead of your sugary salad dressing. We don't add sugars, mm-hmm. you know. We add a little bit of um, um, Himalayan pink salt, but we don't add sugar. We don't add any. I really believe in single ingredients. Just get them and put them together. And then you make a nice dish versus yeah, yeah. something that's that's already been made in the store because you don't know what's yeah. in it. You don't know what seasoning's in it. A lot of stuff has MSG and sugar. First, I mean, is, you'd be surprised how many tomato sauces have sugar. Oh, it's, it's almost. almost, I think that sugar doesn't even have to be labeled. Half the amount of the sugar that's actually included in food doesn't even have to be labeled according to the labeling laws. But yeah, sugar, you know, at the end of the day, most people are eating um, wheat, yes. sugar, 
yes. corn, salt, and uh, yeast. Like basically those are the food groups that most people are consuming. Most people are not consuming real whole foods like you're talking about like red peppers and potatoes and, um, and all of that. But that again comes back to this simple way of cooking because everybody thinks it's really like so many people think it's so complicated to eat healthy right they think it's so hard to eat healthy and i get that from the standpoint of that you do have to put some forethought into it right you need to think about what you want to cook tomorrow plus you need to you know wash the vegetables and chop the vegetables and then you have to wait for them to bake in the oven but like you said you could do batch cooking which means you get all of your cooking done for like four days, um, you know, maybe even five days, food does last for five days well in the fridge, and you can get all your cooking done. And then what you're getting out of it is real whole food cooking, right? I and, love batch cooking. That's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. And we have to do it in this world where we're so busy and we don't have a mom who stays in the kitchen anymore, you know, and like in Nigeria or Malawi, where I'm from, you know, food is the number one thing that's thought about every single day. It's about growing your food, going to the market and getting the food and then cooking the food for the whole family. But here food is kind of like an afterthought, like I'm hungry. Let's just go to the drive-thru and get something. And there's not a lot of that planning, but there is that planning that does need to come into it. If people want to be healthy and to be able to heal themselves from chronic disease. And I'm glad that you're, you're teaching them how to do that. And, and you it said officially. it right. Yeah, you said it right. And then like in Nigeria too, it's made every day, like, you know, every day fresh. Somebody's always in the kitchen cooking. Somebody's always in the kitchen. That's it. That's what they do. They go to the market. It's like, even for dinner, they get to go to the market to buy the ingredients for dinner. Everything is fresh. And also I think it comes from, for where I grew up, like we don't, we didn't have like the, the electricity and everything was different. So you couldn't really have, frozen like food in the fridge for that long so you get to make it fresh it's better when it's fresh and you know maybe it lasts a day or two some people like it's every day sometimes it's two days but because power could go out anytime and you don't want like a whole bunch of food sitting that would go bad yeah but here we have that and I also like to make smoothies teach my client how to make smoothies you know like either the green smoothies or the smoothies with with superfoods and with you know fruits just for breakfast, you know, if you're busy, I, I like that because it, it has a lot of fortify. And now I don't use that word fortified. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, condensed nutrients. <laughs> it's very nutrient dense with yeah. the greens. I love the green smoothies and I love the other superfood smoothies that add a lot of, you know, additional. I, I like a, I like some superfoods like your beets. Mm -hmm. I like the plain, just organic beet powder. And I like to add things like maca or moringa certain nutrient dense food that you need for certain stages in your life i like to add that into smoothies and and then use that and just make a batch because when when i talk about smoothies people are like i don't have time i don't have time to make smoothie every day i'm too busy like you could make you could actually freeze some i said dr formanta but you could freeze it and it's still fine yeah so long as you made it fresh as a pharmacist what i learned is Food goes bad if you're not, I use the word, aseptic about how you prepare it and how you store it. Because you could literally store food in the fridge for two weeks, literally, Nicolette, and it yes. will be fine, depending on how you serve it. You don't put your spoon in your mouth and then put it in your soup and then expect it to last for two weeks or even 
four days because you already introduced bacteria. As I said, just use a fresh, clean spoon. When you serve it, don't eat out of your big batch and then come back and save it. If you scoop it into a small container, warm it up and keep it, it actually lasts for up to 10 days in the fridge. If you, if you preserve it right now, I mean, I've used the wrong word again. If you save it without putting, introducing bacteria into it, every time you, you scoop something, it's a clean spoon. And every time you taste from your food, you don't put it back into your big batch. And actually, I learned that years ago with my kids because when they were younger, you know, and I, I was a working mom, I got to um, make sure the food lasts a little longer than two days. And I was very strict about, no, don't put your, don't put your spoon in the big pot. That's not allowed. And that's what, I mean, we see this, we get this habit from watching chefs on television that like are constantly or like whoever, you know, seeing mums in the kitchen, dads in the kitchen, and they're always like tasting the food and then like putting it back in. And it's true, like we have our restaurants and technically our food is good for 10 days, but the, the, um, the coastal health authority, you know, they come in and they'll sample our food often. Um, and they want us to take it back to the lab and they want to see like at day three, at day five, at day 10, like how much bacteria is growing in that food. And definitely like that, we definitely could easily get 10 days, but I mean, we're turning over our food every single day. So everybody's getting like super, super fresh food. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's true what you're saying. Like we have, we can just be mindful in the kitchen. And then if for somebody who's really, really tight on time, then they can do their batch cooking for many more days. And which it's way better to do that and to eat the food that you cooked instead of going out and buying store-bought food. Yeah, that's what I like to say. Because some people's like, oh, banana is very high in calories. I'm like, I'd rather you have bananas than bread. Yes. Any day. It doesn't matter. (laughs) You know, I said bananas, bread. There's no choice. Go for your banana and leave the bread is they go for that cereal because it's low calorie. So not, I believe not every calorie is, it's not about calories. It's about the quality of your food and people focus on, oh, it's low fat this, low fat that, low, you know, and then you lose all that good nourishment. Yeah, because nature has made our food so that it has the perfect amount of fat, the perfect amount of salt, the perfect amount of sugar, the perfect amount of nutrients, macro and micro. But meanwhile, as a society, like we're constantly manipulating food to be high fat, low fat, keto, you know, and we don't need to do that. We just need to go to the produce section and buy up all those plant-based foods and, you know, go to the whole grain section and the beans and legume section section and, and just eat those. Like nature's made it perfect for us. And I mean, most people in Nigeria, most people in Malawi, people who've lived there, you know, the majority of people don't have access to fridges. They don't have access to electricity. Um, You know, they're cooking on an open um, stove. Um, If you're outside of the cities, you know, and this is like millions of people in these countries, and they've never had access to any single food that has a label on it. Like the food literally comes from the earth and goes into their, their mouth, like after they cook it. And so, yeah, we're funny human beings here. So let's go, I wanna jump into, um, you had struggled with joint pain and digestive issues for years. So what was, like, I'm sure you've reflected on this, but you know, at the time when you were struggling with this before you understood about nutrition, like what were you thinking was the cause of your joint pain and digestive issues? Oh, that's very clear. Processed refined food. 
I used to put like, you know, I would, I thought then working as a nutrition pharmacist that I knew enough about what was healthy. It's like I was into the low fat, you know, um, low fat white whole wheat bread, which is all gluten, low fat, you know, put, put some, what's that, what's that? Ah. The sweetness, the low calorie sweetness. Oh, the blue. Uh, equal and aspartame. Equal, and- equal, equal actually was a big trigger for migraine headaches for me. I had migraine headaches. I had headaches for so long. I did not realize it was putting equal and drinking the Starbucks coffee, which even though it was decaf, but still with all that syrup, once I stopped it, my migraines, my headaches went away. No more headaches. Yeah. Um, you know, sneaker bars, all that stuff. I knew I thought I was eating healthy, but I knew definitely... Actually, I'm going to add that eating um, eating um, animal protein was a big trigger for me. I, I, as soon as I went plant-based, I would wake up in the morning with my knees locked up. Like, literally, I was kind of trying to release it like, a, like I was 90 years old. I slowly have to, like, I couldn't bend my knees at night because then I would have to, it would lock up with pain. And I knew that came from... As soon as I cut it off, and I, I, as a pharmacist, I like to do, we do something called a re-challenge. If you do, if you're not going to die from it, you could try a re-challenge. So I re-challenged my body. I was like, okay, let me just even eat sauce, sauce made from lamb sauce and, and goat sauce. And as soon as I ate it, two things happened. Heartburn, my throat was burning within 15 minutes. And the second thing that happened was when I would wake up in the morning, I'd be like, oh, my joint pain is back again. It's so painful. And I realized, well, that's because you're eating, some, you're eating a sauce that was made with broth from, from lamb and, and beef. As soon as I stopped it, it went away. And even if I drink too much red wine, red wine definitely triggered all that. So I knew what the triggers were. And sugar was a big one for the headaches and just feeling fatigue. And so it was the food I was eating. As soon as I cut out processed refined food, and when plant-based, it's a big shift. It's a big shift. Yeah, and it is. It's a, it happens so fast that once you cut out the refined processed food, like people are so shocked to see their arthritis like completely just disappear. They're like, what? Like, like you say, like waking up and almost taking half the day to the joints to unwind. And then, uh, you know, going to bed at night, feeling pretty good. You've had a glass of wine, like you're like not thinking about your pain anymore. And then again, it starts all over again the next morning, your whole body's so stiff. And, and, um, and then people are so surprised that the minute that they cut out those things, all of a sudden, like they have full mobility back. They don't have the debilitating, painful migraines, the gut health issues, you know, just go, way like it happens so fast but one of the things that you mentioned is the sugar and I just want to clarify this because I know our audience who hears this they're like sugar is bad so I shouldn't eat potatoes I shouldn't eat carrots I shouldn't eat apples I shouldn't eat watermelon you know because all of these foods do technically contain sugar so I see this all the time is where people are staying away from healthy whole foods because they're high in sugar. And that usually includes most of the fruits, but you know, but then again, like they're going for the aspartame. And so I just wanted you to comment on that as a pharmacist, as a nutritionist to really help our audience understand the difference between sugar and sugar. 
Okay, thank you. Uh, not all sugars are the same. The refined sugars, they spike your blood glucose so fast because there's no fiber in that. It's just that, that sugar, you know, people say, oh, sugar cane. It's not sugar. They take all their sugar cane and they, they strip it, they refine it, and it's like, boom, it gets into your body and it gets absorbed really fast. And your insulin, your glucose goes high, insulin comes in to try to fight that. So it really spikes. There's zero fiber in all those um, refined sugars for one. And so your body doesn't really absorb it slowly like it should. Like the sugar from banana or the sugar from mango, it has the fiber. Of course, when you spend a lot of time drinking fruit juices, that's also very high in sugar. So you want to like do it minimally because that, that's stripped off all the fiber when you do just juicing. But when you eat your fruit, and I will usually say to my, to my clients, how many times do you sit and eat 10 apples? Nobody eats usually, but you could have two glasses of apple juice probably has 10 apples in it. So think about all that sugar you're taking, but, but it also been stripped off the fiber. So you don't have that fiber that will walk, walk you know, into your gut and really help with digestion and absorption. So that's the difference. Also, those things have been streets of all nutrients. It's just pure sugar. It's no and, nutrient. And that's another good point that you brought up too about fiber, because there's many different types of fiber, like all our fruits and vegetables and whole grains. They have, you know, different types of fiber that your body needs for different types of things. But meat has zero, zero fiber. Eggs have zero zero fiber. So, you know, right now we're in a world where everybody thinks that they're going to be protein deficient if they eat a plant-based diet, right? We'll get into the protein talk, but more than anything, like even when you were sick and struggling with your joint pain and your digestive issues, it was also probably the result of not having enough whole fibers in your body. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. As well. Yeah. And, and this is something, so I'm just curious now. So when you're working with your clients and your clients, you know, you teach them how to cook, they learn new recipes, they make the food with you, you cook together, you eat together. How likely are they to stay with your program, to stay with eating clean, real food? Um, I'm just really curious about that because we know how addictive so much of this processed refined food is. What are you saying with your clients? I, the clients that really, uh, you know, one, as a client, you have to want to do it. So when my clients are ready and they're really following what I'm telling them, I say it's like you've been living your life and there's been a horse stepping on your foot for years, but that's part of your life. So you think it's it's natural for, for, to feel that foot pain. And then the horse, is, you know, steps up your foot, they step up your foot and and then you're doing, you feel great. And then one day you feel that hot step on your foot. That pain is so intense. It's like when you feel that pain again that you had from what you were doing, it's, it's a trigger for them to stop. Because I've had a class like, really, when I tried one day, I went out, you know, they, were ha they had like cake and something and I tried it, the sugar, it was just, I felt so bad. My back pain came back, my joint. I just like knew I couldn't do that anymore. I think your body tells you that that intense pain, when it comes back the second time, you feel it like it's, it's, it's not insidious as it used to be. It's like, boom, you know, like headache. You're like, why do I have this headache? Well, what did you eat? So I asked them to put 
put uh, keep a food mood diary to see what they've eaten. And, and I said, it's not usually from what you eat at today. Sometimes you could go back to a week. So when you, when, you, when you go back and do that history, think about what did you eat three days ago? What did you eat four or five days ago? What's the trigger? I do that a lot with my sister because she'll come back and she gets migraine. I was like, what did you eat? Oh, no, no, nothing, nothing, nothing. It's like, think, think. Oh yeah, I had that sauce. I had this. I have. I said, yeah, that's your trigger. That's why you're having this headache now. And you know, you can't go to work right now because you have a bad migraine. But it usually comes back to food. My sister called me the other day. Her joint is so bad. I said, you know, it goes back to food. What did you do? Oh, I was celebrating Eid and I had a lot of wine. So I know. I was like, I'm glad you know. You know what your triggers. Are. I think it's just really knowing how painful it is. Yeah. You know, especially when you're feeling so good and you want to like be able to do work out and, and work without pain and and not wake up with with this reflux pain in your throat because that can be quite intense. You feel like somebody's just slicing your throat. I know. And so people, once they follow that routine, I've been doing it at least three to six months. They usually don't want to go back. Yeah. So that's the, you, they need about three to six months to see that effect and not go back. Yeah, I see the same thing with my clients as well, that when they turn to food as medicine, when they start reversing their chronic illnesses, just simply by eliminating the processed refined food, by adding a few additional nutrients in all of a sudden, um, in the beginning, there's always the, you know, the falling off the wagon because food is a real addiction, right? Like refined processed food with the high amounts of salt and sugar and oils, it's very addictive to the brain. And so they fall off the wagon and then they have that exact experience like your sister's having, but which I think is important to have because it's about building that awareness and seeing the power of food to affect your body. It is so powerful. It has the ability to heal you, but it has the ability to harm you, like to become that horse that's stepping on your foot. And I think it's so important for kids to experience this because so many kids nowadays, and I'm sure you'll agree, they have grown up only eating processed refined foods. So yeah. for them, they, and a lot of these kids are suffering from the mental health conditions that are associated with the gut conditions, the inflammatory um, chronic conditions, uh, chronic inflammatory conditions. And so they don't know any other way. Like people are living with perpetual brain fog. And they just think that this is what it's like to, to live. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. That is that is the truth. It is the self awareness. Yeah, no, it's really it's, important. And yeah. so, so with your clients, then, like, how long does it take to transit help somebody transition? Like, I know you say that they're going to stick to it for three to six months, and then they become like lifers, right? Where they're just going to do this for the rest of their life. But um, how long does it take for you to work with somebody so that they develop the skills to be able to basically live like a plant strong life? Like I said, I usually have a six month program. Oh, you have six months? Oh, great. Yeah, I usually have. And sometimes I do three if they like, but I have a six month program. So I coach them for six months. And we do we do the we do a cooking class every month. So the six cooking classes they get. And I, another big thing I have found that supports my client is reading labels. Because you can't, even when they, they think, oh, this is healthy. I'm like, did you read the label? And my sister, she's a big example. She goes, I read the labels now. And I'm like, if it's more than five ingredients, if I can't pronounce it. I said, if you can't even read it, like you pull up the label and just like 
well, I need my glasses closer, then put it down. Don't even bother. Don't even bother. And so, and so reading labels is so important because sometimes it says natural and you same food industry, they sell you with natural, all natural ingredients, healthy, you know, and then you think, okay, I can throw that into my grocery um, shopping cart. And then you read the ingredients. The first thing there is sugar or MSG. The other day, my sister, she thought she was eating healthy, which, you know, <laughs> no, not a sister. And I went to visit her. She had, she had a pack, it's like some dried salmon something. And I'm like, hmm. I guess you figure, okay, salmon has good fatty acids, maybe salmon chips. I look at it, I said, this is MSG is your first ingredient. Can you just throw that away right away right now? Because already there's nothing healthy about it. Whether you think salmon is good for you or not, just you get to toss it out. Yeah. That's how this, that's, that's part of the marketing because they make all this refined food from using one small ingredient of something that's supposed to be good for you, even like um, plantain chips or um, dried bananas, which are dried with sugar. You see dried dried fruits is another big one that's very high in sugar because of the way it's done. And you see cranberries. I say to my mm -hmm. family, don't go near cranberries. They are all sugars added to every dried cranberry. Yeah. So if you get your fresh cranberries, that's fine, but don't go near dried cranberries. Anything cranberry loaded with sugar that's dried. So it's reading labels, really. That's that's a big part of being staying consistent and also remembering to get within the produce aisle. Because I say to them, do you see rice, white rice in the produce aisle? I say, but you see potato, you see plantain, yeah. you know. So if you're looking for the carbs, you can get your potato and your plantain and your banana, but you don't see rice, white rice in the produce aisle because it's out there with the refined food. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's the thing too, is that there's so much marketing that is done to make you think that you're getting the whole food. Like, you know, people I see now too, like bags of apples. So the only ingredient is the whole apple. Like it's literally like you get 10 apples in the bag and it's mm -hmm. marketed as being vegan and gluten-free. Like I'm seeing this savvy marketing. So people go in. So at least if they're holding up the bag of apples, great. They are getting that. But then it's training them to look for gluten-free vegan products. So then they go to the middle aisles and they think anything that has the word organic, gluten-free and vegan is good. But then most of the ingredients that are in those foods in the processed package, vegetarian, vegan, gluten-free, organic food is literally, it starts with, like you said, MSG, cane sugar, um, processed refined flours, you know, like there's no whole foods in all of those. And so that's the part. So that's why I asked you like, how, how hard is it when you're working with clients to help? Cause you're breaking basically their entire knowledge system around food. And right. that's huge. So besides, besides the cooking class and the pantry makeover, we do a grocery store tour. So oh, we go, God. like, I, if I'm not there in person, I go with Zoom. I like, yeah, I'm going to be with you. I made them up in the store. Let's, let's, before you put it in your shopping cart, let's read the ingredients and shop in the produce aisle first. And you're like, oh my gosh, I used to buy this. I didn't know you had so much sugar. I'm like, yeah. And, you know, like, it's just, an apple is always gluten-free. So that's the market employ. Like they put gluten-free and vegan. It's always been vegan and gluten-free because it's an apple. Yeah. <laughs> so you're right. And then they go to that aisle that's gluten-free and they get sucked into all those 
you know, mac macaroni and cheese that's gluten-free, it's all refined and processed. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's still... So I, I think reading reading labels is a big part of where I teach them to to find this those hidden um, marketing ploys that, that can really get you back into eating the wrong food because you think you're eating healthy once you hear vegan and gluten-free. Yeah, yeah. And the billions of dollars that are spent by marketers of food products. I mean, it is, that's all they're trying to do is try and figure out a way that you're going to go walk down that aisle and put that product into your grocery store cart. But you don't see, you know, on television, it's really easy to see where all the money is spent. Like, uh, and in the United States, it's even like the marketing that's on television is, you know, 10 times worse than it is in Canada. And it's already bad in Canada. But, you know, there's all the marketing for all the pharmaceutical drugs. Then there's all the marketing for the fast food companies, like the burgers and the fries. And you'll often see like a pharmaceutical drug ad followed by like a fast food burgers, fries, fruit beer, or whatever, Coca-Cola um, commercial. And that's all you see being played off on television. So you're being told, take the drug, but also eat this horrific food, right? It's just, it's absolutely crazy. And people need to start understanding that, um, you know, through taking programs like yours, Mariam, and taking programs like ours, that they are able to actually take back their power. That is true. That is true. I mean, I have so many stories with my family. I have one family member who A1C was high. And the first thing the doctor said was, we're going to start you on, you know, anti-diabetic, like no question. And the thing is, six, six weeks before it was normal. So why don't you ask what happened in the last six weeks? So I said to her, what happened? She goes, I know what happened. I was eating a lot of junk food. I was drinking a lot of alcohol. I was doing donuts. She said, because it was normal, like really normal. And instead of him, to, the, the doctors to say, I don't know who the doctor was like, let's figure out, go back and change what you're eating and let's check it again and see. It was like, well, calling the prescription. It was expensive. I think when it was so expensive, she called me. I was like, yeah, you got to work with foods. Yeah. Let's cut out all that stuff you've been eating. And I bet you in six weeks you go back, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Instead of spending $1,000 for this prescription that it's going to have more issues down the road. And then when that happens, you get more. So I'm glad she called me, but that just kind of, it's, it's sad that something like that, that could even give them a chance to reverse it by going, say, come back in, in 60 days and I'll recheck it. This is what you get to do. Yeah. You know, and go, you know, change what you're eating. Let's set you up with a nutritionist or, you know, talk to somebody. It didn't happen. It was, it was like you say, just that is easy. And most people will go through that because it's easy. You don't have to change anything. Just yeah. put it, you know, take that pill and continue what you're doing. But the end effect is it progresses into something bigger. Because we know what diabetes can do. It can lead to a lot of other issues, like, you know, the kidney disease, the heart disease, the, you know, neuropathy, all sorts of things happens to you eventually. Cardiovascular, it's a big one. Yeah. And, you know, you being a pharmacist, you, like you probably saw that a lot, right? So that you're sitting there, you're, you know, the patient receives the prescription and the patient believes that it's going to make them better. But what they don't realize is no, like this is not reversing your condition. This is just stopping the symptoms from being so aggressive. And every year 
every decade, it's going to get worse. You're going to need more drugs. And eventually you're still going to end up with the, it's just basically delaying the inevitable that that disease will most likely still get the best of you. Um, and especially when it comes to diabetes, like we're talking about death, amputation, blindness. Um, and for a lot of people, it's a disability for many years while they're on these prescription medications. And I, and I don't know how you feel about it. I mean, being a pharmacist, I love prescription medications for when somebody has no knowledge that food has the ability to reverse your disease. If that person has no other way, they don't know how to, you know, arrest their disease, the medication is necessary, right? but it doesn't mean that it has to be for life that you take that medication. That's what I say. I say, I'm not telling you to stop your medication. I'm saying, start this option. The next time you see your doctor, they might say like, oh, you look great. We, you don't need this medicine anymore. Mm -hmm. But the first thing is, this is convenient. And you're going to, I said, just, just try this, add this into what you're doing and see what happens because yes, you're right. And what I just love to see when I see the, the studies that show now, I mean, Claire association, like connection with colon cancer and prostate cancer with, with meat, you know, I mean, that, that mainstream medicine is seeing that connection, it's good. But I mean, we see studies, but the education isn't there. Yeah. And that's what's sad. Like they're not telling the patients, hey, you know, we could, we could, you could do better if you, if you go plant-based. This is what's probably a trigger, what's, you know, you're, you've been eating this like this all these years. And now you have maybe stage one cancer. You could actually do something about it. Why don't we change what you're eating? Even if they opt for, for, for therapy or whatever they're doing, but change what you're eating. But you hear things like, go home and eat what you want. And that's sad. Yeah. To be told to go home and eat whatever you want so you can put on weight. Oh, yeah. Or you, know, you need to eat more protein or you need to stop eating the carbohydrates because those are too high in sugar. So stay away from, you know, the squashes and bananas and potatoes and, and you know, black rice is considered a carbohydrate, you know, so stay away from all of these beautiful whole grains and don't eat. And so people are being told to stay away from these really amazing nutrient dense foods. Um, and and again, which to me is just so crazy when we have the knowledge about how food is medicine, we have the knowledge that our body craves these nutrients, our brain needs carbohydrates, it needs sugar to be effective. But meanwhile, people are being told to not eat fruits anymore, and people are told not to eat these beautiful foods. Um, and so, so one of the pieces that you were talking about a lot, you know, just now was your family, right? So I want to know what was this like for you being a pharmacist? So you have, you're actually trained in biochemistry, in chemistry, in biology, and as a pharmacist, um, and then you started studying nutrition, like, did your family just jump on board with everything or, or were they like most people who kind of have to wait till they hit rock bottom before they make the change. They definitely waited till they hit rock bottom. <laughs> they were resistant to that. And then when they see, you know, when, when one family member comes on board and they see the changes in that person, then they start thinking, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. Now they hit, actually have to hit rock bottom, like really some really debilitating disease or some life threatening, something that's really, yeah, because when I when they they I even get teased about it, like oh, 
you don't eat anything. You're not enjoying life. I'm like, I am enjoying life. I love what I eat. Yeah. And you're not waking up with these stiff joints anymore, right? And these digestive issues anymore and these migraines anymore. And there's this association between food being pleasurable and food being joy and food being celebration. But then you also have to hold that in the context of, well, if you can't go to work, you can't play, you can't have fun because you're in chronic pain all the time, then is your life, is food really that, you know, should it be really enjoyable? And it can be when you're eating this way, like once you learn how to cook, the food is so tasty, right? Like I haven't tasted your cooking yet, but just the way you described it, I'm like, I want to eat your cooking. Um, Yeah. And it is so enjoyable. And so you can have your cake and eat it too, so to speak. You can have your beautiful plant-based food and it can be delicious and you can have your health at the same time. Right. Right. Without having to hit rock bottom. So what was it like for you being a pharmacist and studying this? What about your peers, your, your, your professional peers? What did they think about you when you started studying this? What was the response you were getting? For a long time, I worked in pharma. And actually, here's the funny part. A lot of my peers were interested in getting tips and advice from me about health. It's like, oh, that's a part I really want to know about, you know? What should I do about this? So I got, I, even when I was working, my manager would ask me a lot of questions about, you know, and got her, got her to, to eliminate um, dairy and do more plant-based and nuts and stuff like that. So I actually get people curious and want to know because they feel the pain in their body. Yeah. And when it comes to that, they're like, I want to do better with that. Yeah. But not being totally on board, but just want to, but that's a step because I didn't get like, how could you talk about that? I didn't. It was it was encouraged. They were they wanted actually to know about it and what to do. They wanted advice, so which is good. And that is amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah. And some of the physicians that I train on this when they're learning it for the first time, and then they go out and talk about it with their peers. Usually, what they get back is like you've gone off the deep end, buddy. Like what? You can't just live on plants. You know, you're not getting, and even the, the doctors will say like, you're not getting enough protein that way. And you need to, you know, like they, whatever the idea that they have in their head. So for some of the physicians that I teach, it is hard for them to, to come out, you know, so to speak as right. a, um, you know, a plant-based eater and a plant-based nutritionist. And a lot of them too also say um, where they get stuck especially the physicians, the naturopaths who are learning about this for the first time, um, they're like, well, I'm not allowed to teach this because it's not scientifically proven. Mm. And so I still see that. Um, So I was curious for you um, what that was like with your peers, because I do see that happen with a lot of physicians. One thing I do, I like to pull up references. So that's where I get, I, I get like, before I recommend anything, I go and I pull out references. This is, this is, this is what this shows. This is the benefits of this food. This, so that supports, because if I, yeah. And so just using references with some people that are skeptic, that supports them. But I do have, I know I have physicians in the family that are like, I would rather die than, than live like, like that. You know, I'd rather yeah. just die than not eat meat, not eat this, you know, it's like, but when the pain really gets there, it's not funny. So 
So yeah, yeah there are some there are skeptics. You see that with, with traditional medicine, you see a lot more skeptic. But by my other scientists, some of them are like, yeah, I want to know more about this. I, you know, and then I provide references and links to and I send them to websites of physicians that are doing it. It's like, well, this person is an MD too, so they're doing this. So yeah. obviously they went to medical school just like you and they're doing this. This is what's happening. Yeah, and that is um yeah, and that even still with the amount of physicians, especially there's way more physicians in the United States that are plant-based physicians that mm-hmm. are teaching people how to reverse heart disease and diabetes and like Dr. Dean Ornish and Dr. Neil Bernard and Dr. T. Colin Campbell and Dr. Um, you know, uh, Joel Furman, like yes. all of that, Mark Heyman, like they're all out there teaching this. Um, and even still though, it feels like, We are a million miles away from where we need to be. So I'm curious for you, what is your vision for our future um, based on all the knowledge you've accumulated as a pharmacist, you know, as somebody with a deep science background, somebody who's a nutritionist now as well, what is your vision for the future and how do you think we can get there? Ooh, I think the biggest obstacle is, is, is the lobbying and the marketing that's where that's where we're still stuck and 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 i love i think you just keep doing your part for where you are with the clients and just just keep reaching out to more people i think that's how we're going to get there just reaching out to more people when people see it's like a ripple effect i see it as a ripple effect you know this person's like oh yeah when i did this this happened to me and i didn't have to be on drugs i got off xyz drugs at the end and the next person like, oh, I want to try that. So I see the ripple effect and the more people that get into it. And as, as you see um, more physicians going into functional integrative medicine, I have a friend who I connect with a physician, but I hear her talking, that's what she wants to do now. Like, I was like, I was so excited. Like, you know, pediatrician, she wants to really get into the whole culinary thing. I was like, whoa. Just, just you know, just by listening to my summits and just exposure that they're doing by themselves, and they're like, this is an area of interest, especially working with children and seeing what's happening with, um, you know, young kids with diabetes. That is so sad. That is so sad and heartbreaking that these kids have this condition that's reversible. We know that that's reversible. And there's enough data there, but they get to be on drugs and insulin, and you know and limits their life yeah so i think it's it's really having a ripple effect just want just doing in your group and then spreading out to just like i like what you're doing like what you're doing you know and that whole program that you have with the two million it's it's amazing and i think that's where we get to just influence our niche and our area and just get get it to grow bigger and bigger and i love that with the summit too you bring you get people to see more health practitioners that are doing this, whether they're nutritionists, uh, naturopathic doctors, MDs, you see them, they're like, well, mm-hmm. you know, I want, I want to change. If these people are thinking this is what's going to work and I, I can reverse my condition, then there's something I want to know about. So I think all that additional exposure through the media, social media or um, summits and all that is another way of, and podcasts, things like that. It's just how we spread that. Yeah. 
And it does take that on the ground approach too, because like what you're doing, it's one thing to give people the information. Information does not create change. But right. then when you can hold their hand, even if it's through Zoom, like you are holding their hand through Zoom to teach them how to shop for their vegetables, how to wash their foods, how to prepare their meals. And this is the part that really needs to happen because we are in a place that despite all the TikTok videos and all the you know social media uh, posts there are on, on creating healthy food, like most people are laying on their couch, eating a bag of chips, scrolling through Instagram. <laughs> They're not out there you know, taking notes on what they actually need to do. But once they get somebody who spends a few hours with them, showing them how easy it can be, it's no longer that they're just liking the posts. They're like actually standing up in their kitchen, engaging in this behavior. So I love the work that you're doing because that desperately needs to be done to show people how to cook these foods. This is so, so important. And it's not hard. No, it's not. It's not. I don't need to be a chef. Exactly. I just say I'm not a chef. I'm not a chef. I have many chefs in my family, and I but I make these foods that are tasty. And often, what I do when I invite my family to meals, I don't even tell them what's in it, because you say that they're like, ah, I don't want to eat. I just do healthy, and then it's gone before you you go for the next serving. It's gone. It's like, it's all gone. Do you know what that was? And like, no. I was like, this is what it is. There's no meat in that. There's no, you know, yeah. this is all plant based. And I'm like, really? That's so good. So just introducing people to, like you say, just getting them to take action. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up too, about not telling people what's in it. Because when I first became vegetarian and went plant-based, I like, it was way, way, way back, um, like probably 20, more than 20 years ago, actually. And it was, um, you know, that's when, I mean, we, I didn't know the knowledge that I didn't have the knowledge that I had now. I didn't know you can reverse the diseases. Like I was doing it because planetary wise, it was definitely good for the planet to be plant-based. Um, Health-wise, I knew it was good, but I couldn't explain why. But that was also back when to be vegetarian meant that it, like we were still making meat-like dishes with the soy ground protein, you know, like, cause you, we still thought, well, you need to be replacing protein for protein. So we were getting the, all the substitute meats and that's what we were putting in our food. My husband and I used to make amazing pasta sauces. And now we would never even dream of taking a single one of those meat substitutes. Like if we're going to make and we don't even care about replacing the meat like texture or anything. Like we're so happy to eat a squash with asparagus and Brussels sprouts. Like that is delicious. But mm. for while people are transitioning to that, what's so beautiful is that there's so many plant-based recipes now, like you can make beautiful meatballs, which I made for the first time. I was like, I had a craving like from 20 years ago, I was like, I want meatballs. And I just found like an incredible recipe. It had mushrooms, it had nuts, it had oats, it had flaxseed mm. made with water. It had beautiful herbs and spices, parsley, everything. And we made these meatballs that even when I ate them, I was thought I tricked myself. I'm like, is this meat? <laughs> so it's, you know, for people who are still looking for that meat substitute, you don't need to be buying the fake meat that's out right. there, like the impossible burgers or the beyond meat burger. Cause that stuff is not food. Oh, that's <laughs> yes, impossible burgers. I don't want to talk about those. Those are that's lab. Uh, it's sad. It's well, let's sad, let's talk about that though. I think this is a really good piece to bring up. Like, tell me what your opinion is on the Impossible Burger and the Beyond Meat Burger. Honestly, it's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. I'm being honest. Like, 
it's made in the lab. If there's nothing plant-based about that, you know, and I tried it one time because I didn't know what was in it. That was like maybe four years ago. I was like, this tastes horrible. Then I found out it was made in the lab. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's why it tastes horrible. And and you see people feeling good, like, okay, I'm going to be plant-based. I'm eating an impossible burger. But it's, it's, it's even better to eat your meat than to have an impossible burger because yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's if you have organic meat, it's way better than impossible burger. Yeah, no. from a health standpoint, for yes. sure. I know yeah. a lot of vegans think it's the best thing on the planet because you're not eating the animal, but you have to balance out the environmental impact with the health impact. With obviously, you know, are you torturing animals? And mm-hmm. on the health perspective, it is horrific what it is doing to your body this impossible burger would you agree yes i agree it's impossible what it's doing to your body (laughs) i don't even know how and it's so sad that it's really taking off like it's really really taking off and it's it's like a big thing in the plant-based community and people feel feel good about trying that and i see that you go online you go to a restaurant i mean i mean i just what so where and I'd read this a vegan restaurant and they have impossible but I'm like oh that just that just yeah messed up your rating right there for me but yeah it's sad that 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 is still around and I'm hoping that someday it will become exposed just like the just like the processed refined foods are people that are really wanting to take back their health realize that processed refined food is not part of what they get to do take yeah, back your health and so you don't get to eat um impossible burger there's another one there's two impossible and there's the another. beyond meat burger beyond meat <laughs> beyond. see it's beyond meat because there's nothing in there that's good for you it's, yeah. you know it's beyond poor health um yeah i definitely um and and i think it started out with some of those processed vegan food like the tofuki or something like that those things or yeah you get it's not it's not you know you don't find that in the in the produce aisle if it's not in the produce aisle then you don't want to buy it yeah if you don't see it growing on a tree or a bush or in the ground you don't want to buy it and you know and those all the ingredients but they do a great job of tricking people right 100% plant-based 100% plant strong you know and but I mean it has things like vegetable glycerin in there it had which is used in cleaning and cosmetic products and it has um isolated soy protein which means you're not getting soy you're getting one protein that Mm -hmm. they're using and it's only to give it that spongy texture to make it taste like cooked red Mm. meat and so there's all of these and it's so high in sodium it's got tons of sugar in there it's still like it's so highly processed and and there's no nutrients so yeah you should say 100 lab made yes exactly (laughs) then you know that at least you know what you're getting you know it's it's lab made 100 you know chemical yeah because that's what it is i mean it's yeah yeah and you're still only getting it on the same white bun so that's denatured there's no nutrients you're getting it with the iceberg lettuce there's no nutrients you're still getting it with the like pesticide produced tomatoes and onions no nutrients so at the end of the day there's nothing in that meal that is serving you right and then some people get it with cheese i'm like okay (laughs) 
I was looking at it as like that's that's your vegan menu. I know. Yeah, it's 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 definitely uh, it's gonna take a long process to get over the lobbying and what's happening with the food industry and with the marketing and especially I want to say especially in America. Yeah. Well, in Canada as well, it's the same. And we see it in the rates of chronic disease, right? So, you know, we're not going to see the chronic disease rates go down because the Impossible Burger and Beyond Meat Burger came out. Like, we're just going to see them continue to rise because people Mm -hmm. are still eating processed refined food, like you said at the very beginning of what you learned in your Institute for Integrative Nutrition program. It's about the processed refined foods. Yep. And sugars and and dairy and all those things you know and 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 then we know at least they say you know like corn and soy are the most foods even though they're they're from the plant they're made they have so much gmo and glyphosate and all that in them that corn and soy depend on the quality it's like really something you get to avoid Except if you're looking like sauce organic and you know it's organic, but but corn is so very widely yeah. eaten in everything. Yeah, and exactly. of course the same corn is used for plastic. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's yeah corn right now. Like the only corn that people should really be consuming is if it is to make your garbage pail that you're going to put your garbage inside like it not should not be used or maybe for the compostable packaging or something like that but right now our soy and our corn is so contaminated with pesticides which contributes to the chronic inflammation which contributes to the joint pain which contributes to the digestive issues like it's all connected right right yeah yeah Yeah. maybe if you have your own your own garden you make your own seeds i don't know but it's it is very contaminated and yeah. that's a big one, especially in the summer. Mm-hmm. That's a big corn. It's a big summer food. Oh, it's a huge summer food. I mean, in the all over North America. And I mean, all over the world, corn, like maize in Africa. I mean, it's what people live off of. But, you know, they eat that. They crush it down to make things like in Malawi, it's in Sima. I'm sure in Nigeria, there's a similar porridge that's made out of the maize. Yeah, but it's actually grown differently. Remember years ago, I tried corn back home. We they, they actually get it freshly. It's it's one. It's not like processed right. And if it's not that day, it's bad corn. Like if it's not that day from like fresh, like right there, you get it from the from the garden and the farm. It's not. They look at it like, oh, this is bad. I'm like, really? I said I was just like 20 days old or 20 weeks old. We don't, I don't know. We don't know where it came from, and it doesn't taste the same. And it's so different. It's so different. Like, but now it's so mass produced. It's like a big money making. Yeah, it is a money, yeah. and because they use the corn in as a filler for every single processed packaged food that is out there the number two ingredients are wheat well three wheat yeast and corn Mm -hmm. um and so and it's what makes it's what makes you know cereal look like cereal is that they're often using these these corn and they're shaping it into these different you know cheerios and corn flakes and and but that's not real food right yeah but it's just it's marketed as gluten-free 
Yeah. And it's the foundation. It's exactly. And it's a foundation for ketchup who's made out of corn. It's the foundation mm. for like almost absolutely everything. So yeah, people are ketchup. out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so important that you learn how to make your own ketchup that you make. And if you're eating corn, like you said, please grow it in your garden and it grows really easily. Like if you plant squash corns and beans together, it's called the three mm. sisters mm. and you grow this together and mother nature has made it. So when they're growing next to each other, they're all feeding each other in the growing process and they're producing the most amount of nutrients in these three foods. And this is good eating. Like this is good living. They're like triplets. Exactly. Yeah. Like <laughs> triplets. Exactly. The corn, the beans and the squash. Yeah. Yeah. And I love beans. I love beans. Like my sister makes this great beans. She just boils it. She just boils it and puts some onions mm. and, and chop up some peppers, like red pepper. And that's it. It's like, you know, in this pressure cooker. So it's nice and soft and you just add it to your food. Oh, that's very awesome. tasty. That's what I want to go eat right now. Mm. So Moriam, how do people get in touch with you and how do they sign up for your cooking classes and how do they sign up to work with you for three to six months so that they can reverse their chronic diseases, help them get off medicine? How do people get in touch with you? So uh, my website, you know, um, www.leavebeyondwellness.com. There'll be a link to sign up for um to get my um newsletter and from there also i'll include a link to book a strategy call with me perfect from that and then that's how you get to work with me and and then we can go from there i the, the cooking classes but i incorporate my cooking classes are part of my coaching program because I, I believe like you get to have that support just cooking the, the food by yourself and not knowing the next step, that support of when you, like say, when you get doubts and, you know, and and you're feeling like, oh, I want to go back and eat this and just really support it. And I believe it's more than just food. Like say food is medicine, but it affects the mind. People have these mood things with based on what's been going on with, with them for years. Yeah. So I support them with just mood and movement. It's just like, how do you feel good? How are you positive about this change that you're making when you're feeling those days when you're feeling like, uh, I don't know if I want to do it. Yeah. So, and that's, that's, you know, and teaching them how to, so just connecting through the website and um, signing up for the newsletter and also booking a strategy call with me. Amazing. And for those that don't want to jump in just yet, you can go to Moriam's site, uh, Live Beyond Wellness, and you can still purchase the summit package. Is that not correct? With all the speakers that you had talking about gut health and uh, chronic inflammation and digestive, you know, how to overcome digestive issues and all the other chronic illnesses. So they can purchase that on your website as well. Yeah, that's a big one. You have 22 speakers. Amazing. That was really, and, and yeah, you get to hear about Nicolette. It's just amazing. I mean, everybody just was, it was so powerful what they, everybody said about gut health. And you could hear the common theme, you know, about what your body needs, you know. Yeah, real food, real food. Yeah. Yeah, so that I, yeah, I really recommend your summit as well for people just to start learning because then when you start to see these 22 speakers come together and, you know, basically they're all saying the same thing and you'll see this across every, most of the health books that are coming out now that are about reversing disease, that it is about real food. You don't often see a lot of, you know, use keto to reverse your disease. You see, use keto to reverse, to get, to lose weight. And yeah, keto will help you lose 
weight, but Mm -hmm. you will not see books written about how keto is there to reverse your disease. And I don't think we'll ever see it because what we're seeing is that people who are on these high animal fat diets, these high fat processed diets, you know, where they're not using real foods, real carbohydrates, that they're also still like their, their chronic illnesses get worse after the first year of being on these diets. So people really need to be careful about that. Yeah. You see a lot of data and studies about reversing disease with plant-based diet. I mean, this, it's a lot, like you say, from Dr. Bernard, Dr. Foreman, your data, you know, the Gersing therapy and just so much, so many and so much, and you, you have documentation so I just definitely am a big advocate of, of going plant-based because I've seen the results in yeah. people. Yeah, in, in yourself as well. In yourself, yes. you were the yes. first person, right? To do yes, that I've seen the result in myself. Absolutely, absolutely. That was a big one for me. And actually doing that supported me also getting off. Um, I used to be, I used to have a lot of allergies, but I took a lot of um inhalers, you know, the steroid-based one or the, you know, what they call sympathomimetics, the beta, um, not the beta blockers, but the sympathomimetics that affects and it will increase your heart rate, the decongestant, all that stuff. I mean, I was on like three or four sprays and I took a decongestant and I took this, you know, antihistamine. And what it does is make you sluggish, tired, and my heart rate was like always pumping. And we're just changing what I ate. I got off all of those honestly that's for me it supported me to not require those that is amazing yeah and often what I see is the same thing too is that people who are suffering from a lot of these um, asthma lung conditions you know which often then you know a lot of people have skin conditions to follow is just showing that our organs are not doing well. They don't have enough of what they need. They're not able to detoxify properly. So then your skin ends up in outbreaks, your lung ends up with, you know, the symptoms of asthma, you have all these allergies that, um, and they're not real allergies. It's the food intolerances because your body's not strong enough to process these like real nutrients. But the minute you turn to whole foods, your body heals quickly. And then you'll see all of these um, drugs that you're taking, you no longer need them. It happens fast. Yeah, it does, it does. And you also see the, you know, just from the gut summit, you see the connection with the gut and the brain and how your moods are affected by these, you know, people feeling anxious and, you know, all that stuff is also connected to the gut. Like, you know, yeah. guys, you said it, you know, when in doubt, heal the gut and, and go from there and things begin to just get better. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because we are in an epidemic of chronic disease. And within that, the mental health diseases are so huge, panic attacks, anxiety, depression, and simply by healing the gut with real food, people will see their mood entirely shift. And so that's a really important piece that um, if for any reason do that, because once you start feeling better, then you can make way better decisions for yourself in all areas of your life, not just your kitchen. So absolutely, absolutely. Glad that you brought that up. Part of my client work is now adding neutrogenomics testing. Oh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm getting certified in that. I was just thinking about it. I was like, yeah, I'm getting, you know, and it came up from my last summit. I got connected to one of my speakers that connected me to this group. So once I get that, you know, I have the kit and everything, and I can do that for my clients to see that's really what awesome. food sensitivities they have. Because people sometimes that are skeptical, that supports them to say, okay, you might end up with this problem if you don't 
getting up to six from the greens and exactly. Yeah, no, the nutrigenomics testing that I did at that and I did DNA power and um, it was fantastic because um, I liked the, well, both of them were so great because the reports that they produce are phenomenal. And at the end of the day, I think it did, like if we went and had 2000 people tested, it would come back and tell people eat more dark leafy greens, eat more real whole foods. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it makes our job easier. Yeah, for the people who need that evidence rather than their body, like, like your body is telling you, but you're not believing it or you feel there's some other way. But when you see it on paper, it's like, especially for the analytic mind, analytical mind, yeah, where they want that proof and that's going to support them. So. Yeah, no, that is really, really good proof. I'm glad that um, that you're doing it. Where are you doing the training? DNA Life. Okay, that's the great. They're, they're based, it's like this Nordic Labs. I think they're based somewhere in Europe. They may, the main office is in Europe, but they have a US site. So they send you right. and, then, and then you get to do testing, 10 tests, 10 kits. And then you go through this 18 modules and then you take it's certification so I'm really excited about it oh that's so great that that's awesome and then you just have the kits on hand and you can just give them to your clients so they can do the yeah. do the swab yeah and send it off to the lab right right yeah that's awesome because you don't have to like you're going to send it off to a lab and then the lab will send you the report back and then you share the information well I think the the when when I'm going to include it in my package but once it's paid for they will ship it to the client directly. oh god and then they, they do the stick and then send it back. Awesome. Yeah. So that's then so the good. result then goes into my my site so that I, you know, and then they provide a assistant too if you need assistant reinterpretation. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah. I, I like I like that because it's gonna support more people. Like, okay, I wanna know more what's going on with me. Exactly. Maybe yeah. when they see that diagnostic, they can take it to their doctor. Yeah. Doc, this is what's going on. Yeah, you, know, exactly. you can't you can't you can't challenge that right you have it in black or white you have the nutrigenetics nutrigenomics and yeah yeah that's a good one i think it'll support people to move forward with making that's, changes yeah no that's amazing i love that you're doing that that's awesome um Maria, it has been such a pleasure connecting with you here on the e real to heal podcast i want to thank you so much for sharing your expertise your knowledge your stories um because you are doing such great work in the world so thank you for being here today thank you nicolette it's really good to be here and i've enjoyed interviewing you in the past as well so we have this connection so that's, that's oh yeah you and I are going to be working together for life, doing this uh, good work and supporting each other and so that we can continue to support others in doing this work. So yeah. thanks for being a partner in crime in this uh, beautiful plant-based space. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. There we go, everyone. Wonderful folks. And here we are at the end of the show and do what you do best. And that is forward this podcast if it inspired you forward it to someone you love so they can learn a little bit more information that might help motivate them to make the changes that they need to make right now where they can start eating better, eating healthier, learning about what real healthy eating and cooking is like, 
Also, if there's any other shows that you've seen in the in our whole entire episode lineup, we have now done, this is our 103rd episode. And so this podcast has been going for a couple of years now, and we would love for you to go right back to the beginning. We have such incredible podcasts um, lined up for you here. So take the time to listen to them, whether you digest them in 15 minute increments or for the full one and a half to two hours, you can still take in this information. And then more importantly, go out there and apply what you learn so you can actually see the changes in your life starting today. Start going out there and making those transformations. And last but not least, we are launching 22 Million Strong training program for 2023, the tour across Canada, where I'll be running and biking across Canada, working with Indigenous communities, BIPOC communities, to really have beautiful heart-to-heart discussions around what are the barriers to accessing clean, real food. We have so many, it's incredible, food deserts food deserts. That means places where communities don't have access to food. And these places exist all over Canada, all over North America, over many parts of the world. And these are in developed countries. This should not be happening. Imagine saving that $3.6 trillion a year, not having to spend it on preventable and reversible diseases, but instead being able to apply that money into growing food so we no longer have food deserts in our nations. So you want to head over to Facebook, enter in 22 million strong and join our group. So you get access to my full training program, nutrition program, the community group where we're going to start training together starting very soon. So head over there now, like us, love us, join us so we can all get healthy together. Okay, everyone have an amazing day. See you next week on the Eat Real to Heal show. Bye for now.